Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Finally, after a million fucking years. Yeah, I know. I literally didn't have a day off for like three weeks. And then my schedule just did not align with when my mom could record because I was working like afternoons. Well, and and she kept trying to get me to skip the gym. (laughs) She won't skip the gym. So I don't think this is my fault. I think this is my mom's fault because I have work. All right. Today we are talking about Michael Williams. So Jerry Michael Williams was a 31-year-old real estate agent from Tallahassee, and he was born on October 16 of 1969. He was voted best personality in high school and was described as a genuine and caring person by everyone that knew him. At least they don't say he lit up the room. That's one of Maddie's pet peeves, by the way. I will literally roll in a grave (laughs) if someone says that about me. Yeah, just say that, like, I walked into the room and nothing really changed. (laughs) He was an exceptional athlete and played cornerback for NFC football team, which was the high school that he went to. I can't remember what the high school was actually called, though. And he did this with his future wife cheering him on from the sidelines. Um, Tallahassee's in um, Florida also. Yes, we're in Florida, correct. By the way, for our non American people who yeah, don't know, who don't know. Tallahassee is. Or don't know where Florida is, yeah. He also ran track and field, though. And after college, he went to work for Clay Ketchum as a residential and commercial real estate appraiser. So Mike would marry his high school sweetheart, Denise. Mike was crazy about Denise, and when Mike proposed to her, it was with a two-carat diamond from Tiffany's. That's a big ring. The couple would get married on December 17 of 1994 after being together for about 10 years. Mike's best friend, Brian, would be one of Mike's groomsmen, and Kathy, his wife, would be standing up with Denise as a bridesmaid. So this was a couple that they knew all through school, starting in high school, and they continued to be best friends, these four. On February 2 of 1995, Mike, at the advice of his best friend Brian, who was an insurance appraiser, would increase his life insurance to $250,000 with Denise as the beneficiary. Um, The couple would welcome their daughter, uh, Ansley, Ainsley, on May 8, 1999, and the couple was overjoyed with their new daughter. If you feel any other way, they shouldn't have had kids. <laughs> Agreed. So Mike's coworkers would joke that they wanted to marry Mike because he would constantly drop everything to go tend to Denise's requests. Right, like if she was hungry, he would drop everything and take her food. If she needed a gas in her car, she would actually go to the gas station near his work so that he could meet her there and pump her gas. So they all joked around that they wanted to be married to Mike because he did so much for her. So he would leave work to go home and make dinner and put his daughter to bed before heading back to work. For a late night. And sometimes he would even bring his daughter to work and he would sit rocking her in the car seat with his foot while he worked in order to give his wife some rest and some time to herself. Yeah, and Mike was definitely described as a workaholic. He spent very long nights working. He spent a lot of time working. In August of 1999, the couple would purchase a bigger home in Settlement. In December of 2000, with Christmas approaching, Mike took his daughter to see Santa, and of course, she would scream the whole time. And I think we all have those Santa pictures, at least I do. 
There's definitely a Santa picture of you screaming. Yeah, in you Santa's handed lab. me over to some weird man with a white beard. I know. Why do we do that to our children? Of course. <laughs> kids cry. They don't know who this is. I know, right? They're like, I don't give a fuck who Santa is. Why are you giving me to this man? To a stranger. What is wrong with you? <laughs> he also bought gold earrings for Denise that he would entrust to Brian until Christmas Eve so that she wouldn't find them. And then later that night, Mike and Denise would have Mike's mom, Cheryl, and Mike's brother over for dinner, and they would watch Friends. This was like when Friends was like releasing one episode a week. So they would like meet up and have dinner, and they would watch Friends. They would share with Mike's mom and brother that night that now that Ansley was 19 months old, that they planned on trying for another baby. Which Ansley is actually the only grandchild in the family. So this made Mike's mom ecstatic. They also discussed their plans to spend the weekend away for their anniversary that weekend. And they planned on going to the Gibson Inn at the Bay. But before they left for their weekend away, Mike was planning to spend the morning hunting on Lake Seminole. Mike said that he couldn't imagine a better weekend. And as his mom and brother left that night, they had no idea that this would be the last time that they would ever see Mike. Now, Lake Seminole had opened to the public in 1957. It is a 37,000-acre reservoir on the Florida-Georgia border. The lake generates hydraulic power for the entire region and is named for the Seminole Indian tribe. The lake was known for its fishing and hunting, especially duck and goose hunting in the late autumn and winter, and fishing is more common in the spring and summer. Not really a swimming type lake, as the lake is full of alligators. By 2 p.m., Denise had become concerned that Mike had not come home when planned, and after calling him several times, she would call her dad Warren. And... She would tell him that something doesn't seem right. So Warren and a friend of Mike's named Jasper headed out to the lake to investigate, see if they could find him down there. Right, because remember, they're supposed to be leaving for their weekend away, and their plan had been to leave at noon. Mm -hmm. So by two, she still hadn't heard from him. Yeah. So big red flag. Jasper had actually been up hunting at the lake with Mike just the week before. So it was about 3.30 when they arrived at the lake, and they had not passed or seen Mike's truck along the road, or anything like that when they were driving. Right. Um, the initial thought was that maybe Mike had broken down and was unable to call for help. Right, because it's very unusual for him to be late returning from, like, a hunting trip. Like, he didn't usually lose track of time like that. So Denise had been thinking maybe he broke down mm-hmm. and didn't have cell service where he was. So they moved to the concrete boat ramp that Jasper and Mike had used the previous weekend and there was no sign of Mike or his boat or his truck. They would find his truck near dirt boat ramp off the road and his boat trailer was empty. Inside the truck was his wallet but no Mike and they knew that something was terribly wrong. By 3 p.m. Warren would call the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission who would arrive within 10 minutes and the search would begin right away with only hours left before the sun goes down. Right. So right away, basically, they've got people searching. Searching, Yeah. So the search would cover more than 10 acres. 
Efforts would be concentrated in stump fields about a half mile south of the dirt ramp where they found Mike's truck. Which these stumps sometimes cause hazard, like sometimes are causing hazard for even experienced boaters because yep. they're just... Well, especially if you're like floating through the area and you're paying attention on ducks or different things, like your eyes are outside of the boat, maybe you're not paying attention. Plus with it being kind of like a murky area, a lot of people in their boats have run into these stumps. Like it's a very common thing. Okay. So that got searchers thinking that maybe Mike had run aground on one of these stumps and possibly sunk or capsized his boat falling into the water, falling into the alligator-infested water at that. Oh, okay. So it's a lot less marshy, a lot more literally lakeish. Yeah, yeah. It's like straight up total, it's not marshy. It's lake. Yeah. It's totally a fucking lake. And there's just like random trees and a shit ton of stumps sticking out. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally just part of the lake. And there's plenty of room to navigate in there, but there are random stumps sticking out and some that are just under the surface too. Mike's mom, Cheryl, and his brother, Nick, had been out doing some last-minute Christmas shopping, and it would be about 3 p.m. when they learned that Mike was missing, and Nick would immediately head to the lake in order to help search for his brother. Makes sense. Denise, however, would stay home and rely on updates from family as she didn't want to leave her daughter. Makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So the search may have started immediately, but bad weather would hamper the search efforts almost right away. By 4.45, a rain and windstorm would roll in, making it impossible to search for Mike. Winds were up to 50 miles per hour, and a tornado watch went into effect. Right, and this basically caused all searchers to have to come out of the water. Yeah, so it would be well past dark before helicopters could even get up in the air, but their heat sonar only picked up ground searchers. Right, that were looking for Mike. That would make it hard probably to find somebody in an area like this when there's a bunch of searchers that have flooded it and you're up there with your heat Do it at night radar. when the searchers are going. Well, the searchers, they went all night. They're still there. Damn. The official search would be called off for the night around midnight. But Mike's friend Brian Winchester, who Mike had gone to school with, and Brian's father Marcus would continue searching through the night. And it would be about 2.30 a.m. when they would find Mike's 13-foot boat behind some stumps about 75 yards from where his truck had been found. Is it a boat or is it a canoe? It looks like a canoe. It looks like a canoe and a regular fishing boat had a baby and that is a canoe. Yep. Inside the boat was about two inches of rainwater, most likely from the storm that had occurred that evening. Also inside were 39 decoys, an anchor, two life jackets, a paddle, an aluminum push pole, a plastic aluminum box, and a 12-gauge, three-inch Beretta over-under shotgun still snug in its case. The boat's throttle was flipped to the on position, and the gas tank was almost full. So whatever happened must have happened early into his time on the water. Does that make sense? The throttle's on the 
on position, but the gas tank is still full. So he hadn't been driving the boat for that long. Mm -hmm. When whatever happened to cause the boat to go off happened. There was, however, no sign of Mike. Ironically, the search helicopter had actually spotted the boat the night before, but they thought it was a search boat and had not alerted anyone. Cool. Now, Mike did have chest-high waders, and they were not found in the boat. His friend Brian told police that when he had hunted with Mike in the past, he usually wore them, raising concerns that he may have fallen overboard and that he may have been drugged under when the waders filled with water, which is actually like a pretty common fear of fishermen, by the way, is having their like waders fill up with water and drag them under because they're hard to get on and off. Um, well, so if any fisherman can answer this, I wouldn't get on a boat with our waders for waiting in the water. Why would you need to wait in the water if you're on a boat, especially in water that you can't touching the only thing i can think of is maybe they're good for getting your boat into the water and like pushed off and all of that and then maybe people take them off i've only seen people wearing them when they're like standing in the water fishing i've never seen them like on a boat so i kind of had the same question as far as why he would have them on and if that's a common fear for fishermen why are we waiting why are we wearing waders on the boat well to stay dry It's a good question for sure. His friend Jasper, who's also there searching, had confirmed that the week before when he had been hunting with Mike at Lake Seminole, that Mike would constantly stand in the boat while firing his gun. And this could possibly make it even more likely that he might have fallen out of the boat if it had hit a stump or if something had happened. Is he fishing or is he duck hunting? He's hunting. He's duck hunting. Okay. So that's why he'd be shooting his gun from inside the boat. But Jasper said that he would do that standing up sometimes. Okay. So December 17th, the day after Mike went missing, was his wedding anniversary. But instead of celebrating with the weekend away that the couple had planned, Denise would be awaiting the news of her missing husband. The only sign of anything that had turned up was a neoprene hunting sock that was found floating in the lake. Right, and I believe it could not actually be determined if it was Mike's sock or not. So the weather in Florida was... The weather was cold for Florida with a high of 55 and a low that would drop below freezing. So the water was not warm and divers were unable to stay under for very long without having symptoms of hypothermia. That would make it really hard for searching if your divers have to keep coming out of the water to warm up and can only be down for short amounts of time. Yeah. Um, so the massive search effort worked around the clock to try to find Mike. A 55-gallon drum had a constant fire lit in order to keep searchers warm. Food was brought in while they searched by boat. They used poles in an attempt to find anything in the water yeah it's called polling they use 14 to 16 foot pvc poles um some with a hook on the end um and some with cameras on the end and they just like probe at the water from a boat or i've seen it from like people just standing in the ground Mm -hmm. and part of this is because it's hard to see in the the water. water right 
There's also the hydrilia plants, which are very, there's a lot of them in this area and they cover a lot of the surface and some of them reach as deep as 25 feet. So these can also make it harder to find. Searchers were also knocked overboard multiple times by low-hanging branches or by hitting stumps in the lake. So kind of what they imagined might have happened to Mike. Cadaver dogs searched the area, but nothing was found in the water or on shore. Dogs, however, did alert to one area near a stump, not far from the western shoreline, but there appeared to be nothing there. And searchers would see alligators multiple times. But it is said that alligators don't feed when it's cold. So while there are a lot of people that think maybe Mike fell into the water and was eaten by an alligator, there are a lot of other people who believe that is very unlikely. Now, on December 30, a camouflage bucket hat was found in the lake near the island across the shoreline from where they found Mike's truck. Brian thought that it looked familiar and he would return the following day with a photo of Mike who was wearing what appeared to be the same hat. So now they think that they have found Mike's hat in the water. Now, people who did believe that he fell into the water, they believed that once his body filled with gases, that he would resurface as other people who had drowned in the lake had done. So there have been many people that have drowned in Lake Seminole, but all of them have resurfaced. But that didn't happen. Now, friends and family would continue to show up and search every day, including Denise's father, who came every single day. But Denise could not bring herself to visit the lake or search for her husband. I feel like that's not terribly crazy. I think that everybody handles grief a little differently, and I think that some want to be involved and others can't face it. When Mike's mom, Cheryl, went to the lake and stared across Stump Field, she started to believe that her son was not there, and she felt that something was very wrong. Now, as appraisals continued to come through at Mike's work, Denise would be able to continue picking up his paychecks, and Ansley would blurt out Daddy's house, since she had spent so much time at his office every time they went there, And she couldn't even bring herself to do that anymore. They had to be delivered to her after that. That would be so hard for a small child to understand. Yeah. As January rolled around with no sign of Mike, um, his mom, Cheryl, was becoming more and more frustrated that her son had not been found. And she would hire a private search firm called Montgomery County Search and Rescue. And on January 26th, they would head to the lake and launch their own search. Canine and underwater dive teams would start searching for Mike, and they had three well-trained German Shepherd cadaver dogs that would alert in several locations. And they would say that the alerts and indications of my dog were consistent with human remains. They would also conclude that the alligators have dismembered and stored Mike's remains in a location that we would not be able to find, possibly a den or maybe under a log near a den. I don't know. Yeah, and their theory for that was that was why the dogs were alerting in places, but they weren't finding anything. 
Basically, exactly what Cheryl did not want to hear. They were concluding that he had gone into the water and alligators had taken him, eaten him, stored him, those things. Now, in February, the FWC would conclude that after 735 hours of boat searching and 285 hours of searching by land with 50 hours by air, that they were still unable to determine what happened to Mike Williams. So they're not really willing to say one way or the other. They would say nothing in the investigative search and rescue efforts has produced any definitive evidence of a boating accident or a fatality as of this date. Mr. Williams is still missing. So they're not willing to declare him dead is basically what I'm getting from that. Okay. On February 11th, 2001, at Thompsonville Road Baptist Church in Tallahassee, a memorial service would be held for Mike, his friends, and his family, and searchers would attend. Denise would be a wreck and found herself a widowed single mom at the age of 30. Cheryl was not in agreement with holding a memorial service for Mike as she wanted him to be found first, and she believed her son was still alive. Now, Brian and Kathy, who had known Mike and Denise since high school, and the couples had only become closer and even had kids around the same time. But now they would be responsible for comforting their friend through this devastating time. Denise would also start to sell Mike's prized possessions, including a deep sea fishing boat. And to all appearances, she seemed to be on the brink of financial ruin without her husband. Even though she had been collecting his paychecks, that would be coming to an end. And remember, he was a workaholic, so he worked a lot for the money that they did have. And Denise had only gone back to work part-time after their daughter was born. The life insurance that Mike had would not pay out without a death certificate, which would be hard to get without Mike's body being found first. Under Florida state law at the time, a person could not be declared for at least five years after going missing. Denise would actually have to petition the probate court for a presumptive death certificate, and it would have to be proved that Mike had been exposed to specific peril that would have resulted in his death. Alligators. In March, there would be a meeting with Denise where... The attorney would voice that he did not believe there was sufficient evidence to convince a probate judge that Mike was dead since there was no actual evidence that Mike had fallen overboard. It could be claimed that Mike had staged the scene and simply disappeared. Which, let's talk about that for a second. Because from what I've heard about Mike, I don't think a good argument could be made that he staged his own death, and disappeared. I have trouble believing that he would leave his daughter, though. So I don't know how likely that is. That is a theory that does float around for a little bit, though. Could Mike have faked his own disappearance? Um, Could he be out there somewhere living a, a separate life, which he didn't really have the financial means to do, and there's no evidence that he had the ability to start over? But, I mean, I guess you never know. So, June 21st, 2001, Joe Sheffield was fishing in the calm waters of Lake Seminole near Stumpfield when he saw a large brown object floating beneath the surface. 
And when he pulls the item onto his boat, he saw that it was a pair of waders. And this was about 30 yards from the small island east of where Mike's truck was found. So there was a fanny pack strapped around the waist of the waders, and inside he found 13 steel shot shells. And he called authorities. Yeah. There was also no sign of human remains inside the boots. There also was strangely no signs of tear or teeth marks in the boots. So Mike's friend Brian identified the waders as being the same type that he believed Mike would have been wearing and had purchased them the previous year on a hunting trip to Arkansas. Later that week, a diver found two treasures in the same area, a small yellow flashlight, and when switched on, the flashlight still worked. And this is believed to be the one that Mike had borrowed from his mom about six weeks before he'd went missing. And a lightweight camouflage hunting jacket, and the sleeves were inside out. And in the pocket of this jacket was a temporary Arkansas hunting permit printed on a piece of paper. Yeah, just like standard computer paper. This was unlaminated with the name and the signature of Jerry Michael Williams still visible on it. Which is crazy if it's been in the water for six months. And six days later, a petition for the presumptive death certificate was filed and it stated that the jacket, waders, and flashlight were further evidence that he had drowned in the lake and been eaten by alligators. It would state the only reasonable inference is that the decedent met his death on December 16, 2000, as a result of an accident on the water of Lake Seminole. Basically, they're saying they believe he died the day he went missing. Mm -hmm. Denise would sign the petition under penalty of perjury, stating the facts alleged are true to the best of my knowledge and belief. She would say Mike had everything going for him and a family who loved him and whom he loved. I am totally confident that the only reason he did not come home Saturday, December 16, 2000, is because he died in a tragic accident. Judge Caruso that day would sign a death certificate for Mike, stating his cause of death as accidental drowning while duck hunting on Lake Seminole. This made it possible for Denise to collect on Mike's life insurance and start receiving his Social Security survivor's benefits. Mike's mom, Cheryl, had no idea that her son was being declared dead, and this did not settle well with her. Understandable. It's obviously not, especially if you still believe that your son is alive. You're definitely not going to like that. Right. If you're not going to go to, if you're not going to want to go to the memorial service because you don't think there should be one because you don't think he's dead. Yeah, that makes sense. Which, first off, you know, obviously the whole thing with the wife trying to prove that he's dead could be sketchy, right? It could be. Or it could literally be that she is struggling and needs that money. Right. It would actually be Brian, Mike's friend, that had run into her while she was out walking, and he said, aren't you surprised the judge declared Mike dead so quickly? Her reply was, not with all the evidence that just popped up out of nowhere. Brian would seem confused by this statement, and Cheryl would say, that stuff was planted, Brian. Indicating that she believed somebody had put her son's jacket, waders, and items into the lake six months after his disappearance. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a piece of paper is totally intact. That And 
that is going to be the end of part one on this episode. Because this is a two-parter. Why do you look confused, Madison? I didn't know this was going to be a (laughs) two-parter. I feel like we should be getting to the end of it now. We're not? There's a lot more that's going to happen. So thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. We will hopefully talk to you again very soon. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. There were broken down cars in the mix. There yes. was a lice infestation in the mix. I'm not coming over here when we have There lice. was all sorts of things going on in the last if few I weeks. If I get lice, I will be shaving my fucking head. I know it looks like I'm just like out hiking and having a good old time. But she really, is. She's lying. It's all a lie. <laughs> there's so much. It's all a lie. So this week, Maddie's been dealing with a hostile person at work. Can I just say... If you are out there in the world and you are dealing with the public, with people, you are around other people, can we just be fucking nice? Can you just not be verbally assaulting people? Like, why are we dealing with people who are yelling at employees, at businesses and restaurants and things like that? Like, just be nice. It's not hard. No. I literally you don't even have to be nice just don't be outwardly rude and maybe don't raise your voice and don't honk your horn and don't threaten to hit people with your car yeah don't lose your shit because somebody doesn't know your coffee order like can we all just calm the fuck down your little kids temp coffee order (laughs) okay Calling out his actual order might be hey, going too far. I just said kids temp. <laughs> if anyone who's listening to this knows, first of all, they're going to think it's the funniest shit in the world. And second of all, report me to HR. Do it. I dare you. I, I, dare I don't you. care. <laughs> I dare you. Yeah. I, I've i been dealing with, I, I feel like lately, and maybe let me know, are you guys dealing with this too? I feel like there's been a lot of aggressive people driving around lately. Like, I literally... There was this car that came up behind me today while I was driving Phoenix to school, and they got right up on my ass. And I will tell you, there is a truck right in front of me. I cannot go faster, but we're on a two-lane highway. So they can't go around me. They can't go around the truck. But they are right up on my ass. And I was like, what are you even doing? And then when it did split to two lanes, they tried to pass me, but they couldn't get past the truck. So then they tried to get in between me and the truck. And I was like, no. Like, You're not getting in between me and the truck. I've been behind the truck. You were behind me. Like, you're not going to get anywhere by being right in front of me, still behind the slow-ass truck. Yeah. And they were, like, honking their horn and, like, waving their arms. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? So, I also think that there's been an influx of road rage because there's an influx of bad drivers on the road as well. Did people forget how to drive? Um, well, first of all, I saw some kid learning how to drive in a parking lot the other day, and it was the most terrifying thing I've ever (laughs) seen. Like, I get you're a bad driver when you first start. Everybody is. You know, you don't know how to drive, so why would you be a good driver? I have never seen something more horrendous in my Yikes. whole life. So I think that it's this influx of new drivers lately that literally don't know how to drive because See, they probably went to driver's ed through COVID and stuff. I don't really even think it's that. I think I that think people don't know how to handle their aggression right now. I think now. that the, the lead, 
the lead is the really lead. Cool. <laughs> it's always back to the lead everything hey. everything can be linked back to the lead that we were obviously chipping off of our painted walls and eating when we were children it's not even about that long-term lead (laughs) exposure literally makes it so that you cannot control your emotions well people i think the pandemic made it so that people were incapable of controlling their emotions like i honestly don't understand just calm down everybody calm down anyway we're gonna talk about murder and mayhem today (laughs) <laughs> Probably while you're driving and road raging against people. Yeah. My face ID doesn't fucking work anymore and I cannot figure out how to fucking fix it. Maybe because you cut your hair. Maddie cut her hair. It's all gone. It's like up to her shoulders, you guys. Yeah, it is. It's even more shaggier than it was last time, too, because my hair has grown so much that it's now at like an awkward shoulder length. Mm. It's This is the first length that I cut it to and I only had it for like literally three hours and then I cut it shorter because it was like poking into my shirt it was just at, like, oh, that awkward yeah, yeah. level mm-hmm. and my hair is already back at that awkward level because it's grown so i cut myself some more like shorter pieces in some areas yeah just to try to like make it more shaggy less bobbish because yeah. i felt like i had a fucking bob it, it did initially look like a bob but now it looks more like yeah. a shag well you saw it when it was in the middle of like yeah. growing out already because i'd already cut it like two weeks prior yeah so i'm really sorry that we have not been consistent with our episodes we are going to work on that we're going to try to get back on track but for now you're just going to have to be patient with us yeah. Madison's drinking her Red Bull and she has a banana because that's like a convenient thing to eat while you're trying to record. Hey, I actually started eating that in my car and the texture was getting to me too much. Like, Ooh, bananas sometimes. do that to me sometimes too. I usually have them in my shake because I, don't I have just... have a blender. You don't have a blender? No, it's just one of those. I don't have a vacuum either. Our vacuum like broke. a couple so... like grown up things that you haven't quite yeah. gotten yet. Because <laughs> we got a free vacuum from someone and then that free vacuum broke. So now we have no vacuum and now have to spend yeah. like... 150 bucks on like a blender a vacuum yeah i'll be due for my post-workout shake here in about an hour i tried the blueberry muffin first form protein a while back and i added it into like plain greek yogurt and it was really good i don't like greek yogurt you don't i do the texture is too thick i can't do it plain it's like yeah it's it's like eating it's like eating sour cream oh no i like it it's good I like it, it bothers me too much it's there's good. too many components that i don't it's enjoy. good it's also really good with the vanilla protein it tastes like cheesecake you really need to like step up your protein game a little hey, bit at least i take vitamins so there is that i do not have yeah uh, vitamins i think are I, I mean, I would say that my vitamins Supplements, are more like, yeah, I, I put my vitamins on the same level as my protein though. Like they're both kind of equally important to me. Um, but mostly because I have different goals than you have as far as like my working out and my muscle and all of that. I will say though, that since I've been taking my vitamins consistently, which has been like what, six months now, I have not been sick, knock on wood one time. I was around pink eye last week also. Oh, I don't know that vitamins would help with that. You didn't fucking tell me. That's on the level with like lice. Lice lice is a little worse, but pink eye is pretty bad too. What? Pink eye is really bad. Lice? Do you know what it's like to comb through hair? 
Madison? No, but I know what it's like to have thousands of little bugs living in your hair. Okay, so if you had to choose right now, would you have pink eye or would you have lice? I would just shave my head if I had lice. Okay, so you're either going to be bald or you're going to have pink eye. Those yep. are your options? Yep. Which one would you rather have? Bald. You would rather be bald than have pink eye, which you put a couple drops in your eye for a week and it's gone. Your hair will take years to even look like hair again. No, I don't. You're think shaving so. your head. I think you underestimate. I don't how know if you is. have the shape of head for a bald head. Yeah, what what's someone gonna say to me? Wow, your bald head looks really ugly. Well, you think you look like a 13 year old boy now? Wait till you shave your hair off, dude. No kidding. <laughs> but honestly, I would do it. So okay, lice. It would give me an excuse. Wait, lice or pink eye? I want to know because I would rather have pink eye. Any day of the week. Because lice is like I would rather combing your hair out. feces away from my eyeballs. Okay, but you're not getting feces in your eyeball when you get pink eye from somebody else. You're just getting the bacterial infection that they have. Still the, the initial person probably had feces on their eyeball, the but you do not. The bacterial infection from feces. But a couple of days of drops and it feels better. I have better. also never had pink eye before, so. Okay, well, let I me tell you keep... right now that lice is worse than pink eye. I feel like a lot of people are going to agree with me when, on this one. I feel like you're last wrong. Time that, okay, I think I think that lice is worse, except for the fact that I would just shave my hair off right now. Like in this very moment, if I got lice, I would just buzz my hair off. Well, let's let's test it. If I wasn't, stop! <laughs> Don't even joke about that. Does right your now. head itch right now? No. Are you feeling it itchy? It doesn't itch. Think about it for a minute. No. It's going to start itching. You're not going to psychologically torture me. Okay, right let's now. let's get. But to if, this episode. if I was in a place where I wouldn't shave my head, I would say pink eye. But since I would just buzz my hair off. Okay, I'm not buzzing my hair off, so I will take pink eye. There you go. There you have it. Our decisions have been made. I say if you are hunting, no. you deserve to be the hunted. No. Although so all these hunters that disappear, how do we know <laughs> that they just weren't eaten by something bigger? That there wasn't something hunting them while they were hunting other animals. You had one person agree with you about how... Uh, we should be part of the food chain. <laughs> Why does only one person agree with me? I don't know. I mean, I kind of agree with you too, but like, I just think it's funny. That... I just don't think that there's anything in particular that makes it so we deserve to be the top of I know. the food chain. I know. What have we done to make it so we deserve to be up there? Yeah. Because we can just kill the other animals with guns. Like, that's what makes us. Top that's of what the food makes chain? us superior, I guess. Like, are you yeah. kidding? No, that's, that's like, about that's it. That's it. <laughs> I think that we deserve to be part of the food chain. I think some would probably argue intelligence plays a role in it as well, but we really don't know how intelligent animals are. I mean, well, I mean, for the longest time, we didn't think that like crabs and shellfish and octopuses were sentient creatures, but they're literally sentient creatures. They have feelings, thoughts, yeah. they have understanding of what's yeah. happening to them. <laughs> so it's like. Uh, well, also didn't they... we also used to believe that babies didn't feel pain? Yes. So, like, yes, we did. I mean, really, we can't really. So, is intelligence yeah, really part yeah, of the spectrum? I'm not, not sure if it not. is. Okay. Did you know that we just found out that plants make noises? Um, that doesn't surprise me. It's a really, really new study. It's super new. Like, it was just discovered by some guys that go to some Ivy League college. It's like their project or whatever. I don't know. Huh. They go to an Ivy League school. They just found out that plants make noises that we can't hear. They're not even sure if animals can hear these noises. But sick plants make more noises. Hmm. 
more frequent noises and it's like it's just something we can't hear but they totally fucking make noises I and we don't it. know why if it's to communicate with each other or other animals maybe that's why it stresses us out so much when our plants die because we... they're actually making noises right we just don't know it yeah i believe it honestly okay. i don't know but i just found that out so i think that that's super huh. cute I like super it. cool yeah alligator sex is determined like their their sex is determined by temperature what? I that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Is it females are colder than males? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Alligators are more closely related to dinosaurs than any other reptile. I knew that too. Can't survive in salt water. Yeah, we know. Okay. And yes, it is um, female. If it's cold, the babies will be female. And if it's warm, the baby alligators will be male. Yep. Isn't that funny? Alligators can go through over 3,000 teeth in their lifetime. Madison's distracted by her alligator research right now. Yeah. Madison, go. Alligators also care for their young. Mm -hmm. 